Turn to Esther 7. We're going to talk about responding to mistreatment. Have you ever been mistreated? Yes, you have. Have you ever mistreated somebody? Probably so. But we want to talk today about responding to mistreatment. And I guess mistreatment is probably a light term when you think about what Esther and the Jewish people are going through. It's more than just mistreatment, but they are facing an extermination of, of their entire population uh, by, at the hand of the king. But these principles can be applied to our lives as we think about when people treat us unfairly, when they treat us badly. And so we all deal with it, and we all have to learn how to handle it. Now, we could just respond naturally, no problem, couldn't we? It's easy to respond to mistreatment naturally. Because really all you need is a baseball bat, or two before, or a big rock, and just kind of do what comes naturally. Amen? Now, you're looking real religious today. But naturally, in, the, in, in our flesh, when somebody mistreats us, it's real easy to have things come up in our mind as to what to do. Isn't it? It is. Now, I'm grateful that we don't act on those things because that could cause us lots of problems. That could cause us a, a rift in the relationship with a person. If we do it real good, we could go to jail. So I'm grateful that, that we don't uh, respond uh, in that way. But we do need to learn how to respond the way that God would call us to respond. And so we're going to look at that today. If you would, if you have your Bibles to Esther 7, go ahead and stand with me. We're going to read out of Esther 7 today. And we're right smack dab. You know, I'm telling you, we're well into this book. And we're going to turn a corner today. And we're going to talk about responding to mistreatment. Verse 1 out of chapter 7. So the king and Haman went to dine with Queen Esther. And on the second day at the banquet of wine, the king again said to Esther, What is your petition, Queen Esther? And it shall be granted you. And what is your request? Up to half the kingdom it shall be done. Then Queen Esther answered and said, If I have found favor in your sight, O king, and if it pleases the king, let my life be given me at my petition and my people at my request. For we have been sold, my people and I, to be destroyed, to be killed, and to be annihilated. Had we been sold as males and female, male and female slaves, I would have held my tongue, although the enemy can never compensate for his loss. So King Lazarus answered and said to Queen Esther, Who is he and where is he? Who would dare presume in his heart to do such a thing? Dun, dun, dun. In verse 6, and Esther said, The adversary and the enemy is this wicked Haman. So Haman was terrified before the king and queen. The king arose in his wrath from the banquet of wine and went out to the palace garden. But Haman stood before Queen Esther, pleading for his life, for he saw the evil was determined against him by the king. And when the king turned from the palace garden to the place of the banquet of wine, Haman had fallen across the couch where Esther was. Then the king said, Will he also assault the queen while I'm in the house? And as the word left the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. Now, hey, excuse me, Harbona, one of the eunuchs, said to the king, Look, the gallows fifty cubits high where Haman made for Mordecai, who spoke good on the king's behalf, is standing at the house of Haman. Then the king said, Hang him on it. 
So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then the king's wrath subsided. Let's pray. Lord, what a wonderful scripture you've given to us today to see how you are always on the scene and you always do what is right and what is good. You're always responding on our behalf and God, we thank you for that today. And God, you're going to teach us some, something more from Esther today. We love you. We thank you for being here with us, God. We ask you to bind any force that would keep your word from being planted in our hearts. And I pray your Holy Spirit would seal and keep that word in our hearts so we can use it when it, the time comes for us to need it. God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. And I certainly mean no disrespect when I add sound effects when I read the scripture, but sometimes it, when, don't you get engrossed in it sometimes? I think one of the reasons we don't get anything out of it is we read it, blah, 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 and then it's just print to us. That is the story. Folks, that really happened. And I'm a reading that, and I'm in, even though I've read it this week in study, I'm even excited again today to see what's going to take place. And so I, I mean no disrespect in that. I just Sometimes my mind gets to work and it's hard to shut it off. Sometimes it's hard to kick it on. But as we look at this today, we're going to look at how to respond to being mistreated. And, and, and I just want to get right into it. You, you do remember the story. And up to this point, the, the plot's been getting thicker. And uh, we, we have it to the point that Haman is going to come and make a request to the king. And before he gets a chance to make a request to to to, to Put Mordecai on the gallows he's already built. And you remember what I told you last week about the gallows? This is probably not the gallows of High Noon or John Wayne. This is probably, if it's in Persian, true Persian style, this is a big piece of wood, a stake, and, and instead of hanging somebody with a noose around their neck, typically what they would do is take the person and throw them on the stake and impale them to, to kill them that way. Now, whether or not that's the true Persian gallows of what they used here, I believe that it is, but either way would be bad. But it's especially gruesome when you think of it on those terms. And they're going to... Uh, Haman has, has made plans and already built the gallows to put Mordecai on it as he goes to the king to get permission to do it. And so far, he has no reason to believe he won't get permission because the king has been right there every time. Did you notice how willing this king seems to be to grant requests to people who are in his favor? Have you noticed that? Haman has no problem getting what he wants. Esther's not going to have any problem getting what she wants. I mean, if you approach somebody, right, you can usually sometimes get at least some of what you want. And so it's important to think about that and when we approach people. But I think it's even more to think about that when we approach the king of kings and the Lord of Lords. And even though Hazarus was an evil person, and far from what Jesus was, there are aspects of how Esther approached the king that we can take in our own lives. Even though Hazarus is an evil king, and we serve the king of kings, we can still take certain aspects of how she responded and, and, and dealt with him and apply them to how we deal the, with the authority above us. Okay? And so, so think about that as we get into it. But instead of that happening, the, the king goes, he, remember he has a hard time sleeping, instead of counting sheep, 
he goes back and he reads the story of how Mordecai saved him from certain death. He realizes that he's done nothing to reward Mordecai. And he asked Haman, well, what should I do if I want to reward the most loved person, honor this person to the, to the max? Now that's a paraphrase. And Haman says, well, it's got to be me. Because who could the king love and admire and want to honor more than me? And so he really fixes it up. And he has, we'll put him on a horse and we'll give him the king's seal and somebody goes in front of him and says how great he is. I mean, he's got it worked out. And he's getting ready to get on the horse when he realizes he's not riding the horse, but he's the one pulling the horse. You ever been the one pulling the horse? You know, there's a few times in your life you get to ride on the horse and you get to have the honor. But many times, at least in my life, instead of riding the horse, I've been the one pulling the horse. And in this case, Haman's going to pull the horse and take the very person who he hated the most, been planning on killing, and has to walk in front of him telling everybody how he's the man to be honored. This is his time. The Lord knows what He's doing, doesn't He? You know, it'd been very easy just to skip that chapter before and go straight to this one in seven and just go ahead and, and, and expose Haman's plot and kill him. But God also wanted him to be humbled in the present life before He ended His life. God, God knows what justice is all about. And so now we're to this part in chapter 7 where Esther has once again brought them to a meal and now we're finally going to get down to it. It's going to get done. You've already read it and we want to see how God helps us to learn how to respond to being mistreated. So I, I just want to go ahead into the principles at this point. And, and the first one is this. You need to remember this next week when somebody mistreats you. Now hopefully they're not plotting to put you on the gallows. But I guarantee you somebody might mistreat you next week. You know, it could happen. And how are you going to deal with it? How should a Christian deal with it? See, many times when we try to figure out how we're going to deal with it, we know what the Christian's going to do, but then there's what we're going to do. You ever notice how it's real convenient sometimes to... To, to act like a Christian, but it's also real convenient to when we that doesn't really do it for us and we have an alternate plan. I mean, this is the way we should do it, and I've tried it this way for a while. This was a whole lot better. Come on now. I mean, we know what we're supposed to do. We know how we're supposed to act. We know what God wants from us. But that takes too long. And, and that doesn't bring me instant satisfaction. My way will work a whole lot better and a whole lot quicker. And I'll get to see the results. It's easy to do that. And, and, but when we look in this, I want you to remember that this principle is teaching us that we don't take revenge when we're treated unfairly. Somebody does you wrong, how quick does your mind start clipping? Does it not roll about this faster, faster? And you start thinking about the things and you're boiling you know, I fried a turkey this week for the first time. It turned out really good. But one of the big cautions was, was to be careful because if you put it in too quick, it could boil over. Also, some about if you put a frozen one in there, it could explode. I didn't want to see that. Well, actually, it would have been kind of cool, but I didn't want to see that. 
so I, I did things properly so I wouldn't do it. But the things that get in our minds, if we're not careful, are like a boiling pot. That grease that I put the, the, the turkey in was, was around 350, 400 degrees depending on when we did it. That's pretty hot. And depending on where you look at the grease, my, my father-in-law had this neat little uh, infrared light and instead of the old stick thermometers. You could put that, shine that light on there and see here it was 350, here it was 340. You know what? It didn't make a whole lot of difference. It was hot. And in our minds, we get hot when somebody does this wrong. That's an adequate term. Are you hot? Yeah, I'm hot. I'm mad. We're boiling. There's a reason that we use that phrase because inside of us gets all warm and it's not warm and fuzzy, but it's warm. I'm mad. And I want to do something. And I know exactly what I should do. And everything you think of seems like a good idea at the time. But if you think 30 minutes and you look back and you say, oh, I'm so glad I didn't do that. You know, we got to be real careful. And I think the Bible teaches us not to act in the heat of the moment. Because if we do, there's no telling what we're capable of doing. And we're not to take revenge when we're treated unfairly. Esther tried to remain calm through the whole thing. Do you think it was easy for Esther to plan a meal with her enemy sitting at the table and to, and to make nice in front of him and to, to follow the protocol and all the culture and to drink it? I don't know if they put their pinkies out or not, but to do everything just right. Do you think it was easy for her to do that? And not just one time, but then to have another meal to where they come back again and to sit down with her enemy? Do you think it was easy? It's not easy. It's not easy to sit down with your, with your enemies. But that's why in Psalms 23, I'm reminded that, that, that God says that He, make, that he makes a, sits down at a table in, in the midst of my enemies, in the middle of everybody that's against me. I'm not alone. God's with me. And it wasn't easy. It would have been very, man, it would have been so second nature for her to come in the meal and, and blurt it out and not go through the first course, the appetizer and the main course and the dessert. And I meant they did it right. And to just blurt out what was wrong. But see, she had to let things take its course, God's course. She didn't plot against Tame. And I thought about this as I was looking through here. I don't think she would have been successful. But, you know, there is the potential that being the queen, she could have gotten some government officials together that didn't like Haman. I'm sure there were some. And she could have done what many people do in the political spectrum and, and had a rebellion, a revolt, some sort of coup. She, it probably wouldn't have worked. But she could have gathered opposition herself. She could have took things in her own hand, being the queen, and tried to take care of it. I think she could. I don't think it would have been successful, but she could have tried. There's a lot of things I tried that are not successful. But they sure seem like good ideas at the time. You know, one of these days, we each of us could probably write a book of things we thought were good ideas, dot, 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 at the time. I mean, I, th I think that would be a subtitle of most of our lives. <laughs> Uh, things sounded, thought it was a good idea, dot, 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 at the time. 
I'm glad that she didn't do that, what seemed like a good idea, but she didn't take revenge. She, she took her time. She realized that her help would have to come from the authority above her. I need you to understand this morning that when you receive help, the only good help that's going to help you comes from the authority above you. You can't go around the chain of command. They teach you that in the jobs that you work. Especially, many of you will know that because many of you work in the school system. Many of you work or have worked at Red River. And in both of those institutions, there's a definite hierarchy of command. Especially in anything that's related to the military. But school is just about as bad. And there's, they, they want you to go through a chain of commands. If you're not happy, then go to the person above you. But don't jump three or four levels because you'll make some people mad when you do that. Go to the authority above you. And Esther knew that the only way things were going to take place the way they should is if she went to the authority above her. She submitted to God. She had faith in the Lord. But she had to go through the king that God allowed to be in place. Now don't take it. Don't, don't mix this up. She, she, her faith was in the Lord. But she also knew who was in charge of her. And I think she also knew who God would use to make this situation right. And so she realized the help would have to come from the king. See, the Bible teaches you, and it teaches me, that justice and revenge is God's business. Remember, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I want to do it sometimes. You know, we, we, we always have this phrase in our mind when somebody does this wrong, we say, well, I, you know, I'll get over it. I'll forgive them, but I won't forget. You know, we've always got, well, you know, I'll come back, paybacks. You know, we have all these things that come up. And we really do actively plot how we're going to get someone back. We do. I do. Have. But revenge is never meant to be your business. Because in order to execute revenge, you have to understand justice. And you don't understand justice. Only the just could do that. And there's only one that's just. Only God can dole out revenge. See, revenge in our mind is, is an evil thing. But for God, it's just part of justice. Revenge from us is wrong. Revenge from the Lord is justice. And we're to allow Him to take revenge when He needs to. And did you know that He's not really avenging you? We, we think He is sometimes. He's avenging what is right. And He's avenging His own nature, His own character of who He is. So you need to ask yourself a question. If God doesn't avenge you, then maybe you weren't in the right. Amen? Sometimes we think, well, why isn't God acting? Well, number one, you were wrong in the first place. But I'll save that till next year. I've got to get out of Esther first, amen? And then they got the Christmas message and New Year's, so it'll be a while. But when we think about this, you need to understand that, that the Bible teaches that justice and revenge is all under the realm of what God decides. And that's why we don't take revenge when we're not treated the way we think we need to be. Second principle is this that I would share with you. 
is that we're to use humility when we expose evil actions and intent. We're to be humble when pointing out wrong. Just, just level with me. Just, just, it's just nobody here but us this morning. Have you ever taken a secret pleasure in pointing out when someone's wrong? Come on. Miss Lane's the only honest one of all y'all. I appreciate it. Okay, Miss Mary, thank you. But, but we've taken a secret pleasure at times from pointing out when someone else is wrong. And, and we, and we, we kind of gloat in it. And when somebody's found out, it's like, even though we're not dancing on the outside, we're cutting a rug on the inside. Amen. We do. But we're called on to use humility when we expose evil. You know why we do that? Because what happens when someone exposes the evil in our lives? And don't think you'll escape. What happens if someone has to expose sin that you are involved in? That you have allowed to be there? And don't you make a mistake this morning. It gets found out unless you get it covered under the blood of Jesus. And you still may deal with consequences from your actions. But what we know is, is that God has called us to use humility when pointing those things out. Esther, through this whole story, remained humble as she was exposing the evil that was planned against the Jews. Sure, she was a low Jew, lowly Jew. Sure, she was from humble beginnings. But I need to remind you of something. She's also queen of Persia. And she could have pushed some buttons. There was a level. She might have pushed too much. But she went through the process of allowing God to expose it. You know, it's not easy, but we have to stay true, not to our character, but we have to stay true to the character that God wants us to display. We're supposed to display God's character. And we have to be humble as we point out the wrong. Did you know also, too, we've got to be careful that we're not pointing at people, but we're pointing at sin. Is it not hard not to say, well, you, you, so-and-so, you shouldn't have done it? Is it not hard? It's, it's hard not to do that sometimes. But listen, we're, not, we're to be careful when dealing with people. It's okay to judge the sin. We preached on that not too long ago. But we also need to remember that we're pointing at the sin and not the person. God take care of the person. God may, did you know God may want to redeem that person? Did you know God may want to save that person? Let, let me just take the may out. God wants to save that person. The one that you're so mad at. The one that makes you want to chew nails. God wants to, to, to save that person. Or if they're already saved, God wants to use that person. He wants to show love to that person. He wants to change that person. Or He may want to change you. But if you go pointing at somebody and show how big you are and leave your humility at the house, you damage God's plan. I think of a good example of this. Jesus, in the last days of His life, He fulfilled the prophecy that said that, prophecy that, said he was going to be led like a lamb to the slaughter. 
If anyone who could have, have done away with the judges over him and the authorities over him, Jesus could have done it at any moment, and he didn't. And I'm so glad he didn't. Aren't you? I'm glad that he didn't. Because, because, because of that humility he displayed, he was able to come out victorious. And the scripture says, and to rise with healing in his wings. Healing for us. And not just a physical healing so I don't have to get the sniffles or, or have something minor like cancer be cured, but that my sin can be healed and done away with because of the blood of, cro of the cross. Do you notice I said something minor as cancer? I'm fully aware that it's a major deal. But when you put any disease of that nature up to the magnitude of the sin in your life, it's a minor, minor setback compared to what sin will do to you eternally. Amen? I'm not belittling cancer this morning. I've lost too many good family members. Lost my dad to cancer. Both of my grandparents are battling from it. Many of you have to deal with it. But what I need you to understand is, is cancer is nothing for God. Sin is nothing for God. And the death that he died wasn't just to bring the healing of the physical body church. It was to bring healing to the nations. And for sin to be done away with, covered. I'm glad Jesus, I'm glad Jesus didn't just die so I didn't have to get sick. Aren't you? That's not that just the only kind of healing he came for. If it was about, if it was, a, listen, Jesus was healing people before he died. But it was to heal the disease of sin. There's another message in there. I'm going to have to investigate that one. But see, you need to look at the victory that was won for generations because of God's character displayed on the cross. I need to go ahead. Third one is this. That we need to concentrate on serving God and others. Leave defense. Leave your defense to the Lord. You're going to waste a lot of time plotting revenge. That's not going to win anyway. You're going to waste a lot of effort and you're going to have a lot of heartache trying to plan how you're going to get somebody back. And I guarantee you, if you manage to get them back, they'll start the next moment plotting against you. It'll continue on and on and you'll not gain a friend, but you'll make enemies. And at the end of your life, you'll have to explain to the Lord why you spent your time that way. We're to concentrate on serving God and others and letting God defend Himself. Esther's goal, I don't believe, was not to bring Haman to his knees. Now think about this for a second before we go farther. Sure that he was her enemy, but I don't think in her process of thinking, I don't think that she was solely interested in seeing him I don't even know if she could fathom the fact that he was going to lose his life over that. She just wanted the evil exposed. She wanted the evil to be seen by the king because he signed so many decrees and, and eradicated so many people, he didn't even know which people that she was referring to. It blows me away that he would not instantly understand what she was saying and yet he looked shocked. And sounded through Scripture to be shocked. Well, who would do this? 
I'm tempted to say you. But we also know it came through Haman. And I don't think it was her goal to bring Haman to his knees. She wanted to bring the plot to the king's attention. What drove her? She was driven to protect her people. Why? Because she was, had the responsibility that nobody else did. I want you to know that wherever you're placed in your life, nobody else has that exact responsibility that you do. If you're a mom, if you're a dad, nobody else has a responsibility to raise your kid but you. You can blame the school system all you want to. People have been doing it for years. It's your responsibility to raise your kid. Amen? It's your responsibility to, 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 to make sure that your family is under the protection of the, the Holy Spirit. It's your responsibility to make sure that your family is following the Lord the best that you can. You can't worry about your neighbor, but you can worry about your house. Josh says that, Joshua says, for, as for me and my house, I would love to take on the responsibility of Clay's house and Tommy's house, but I tell you what, I can't. And actually, I wouldn't want to love to do that. That's their job. That's your job. I have a hard enough time where I'm at, don't you? But it's my responsibility. And, and, and her responsibility as queen and as the defender of her people was to do all she could to stand up for them. See, she always looked to the power, to the authority that was beyond herself. But she knew what to do. Because as she concentrated on her mission, her goal, she knew God would defend those that needed to be defended. This week, you may be mistreated. Is that right? As they come and prepare for the invitation. This week, somebody might hurt your feelings. I don't foresee you having to be threatened to be go to the gallows, so I hope that don't happen. I'm going to pray it don't. But sometime this week, you're probably going to get your feelings stomped on. You ready? Get your steel toes on, amen? Hey, it happens. It happens to me. I have to, I have to get tough. I have to get stronger. You do too. But we learn how to respond to when we're mistreated. Because if we mess it up, we could set such a bad example and turn somebody off for Christ for the rest of their life. I don't want to know that because of my misactions that I turned someone off and they never came back to Jesus because of something I did. There's too much at stake. I ask you to stand. Father, today, this is your time offered up to you. It's already yours, and I pray you'd spend your time with your people. In your name, I pray.